Okay, and again, uh, for a third episode in a row, we're going to go back with uh, hmm, Buffalo topics again. Of course, we've been talking about uh, Mayor uh, Brown and India Walton and uh, Ben Carlisle. Hmm, I'll tell you what. Let's call Ben Carlisle. Let's give Ben a call and see what he has to say this morning. Uh, the other two don't seem to answer at all. Hi, Mike. Hi, Ben. How are you this morning? I am well. How are you? Fine, fine. Uh, I guess the conversation in Buffalo is should they have gone for the field goal or not, though, right, uh, as of this morning? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think the obvious answer is they should have just kicked the field goal. I was at a bar, um, Gabriel's Gate in Allentown. I don't know how familiar you are with Buffalo, but uh, I'm sitting there screaming at the TV, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and obviously had they scored a touchdown, everyone would have been happy, and they're all geniuses, and I would have been wrong. But, you know, I think uh, if it's the Super Bowl on the line, maybe you go for it. But it's the fifth game of the season. I think you play conservatively. But uh, I am no expert. I never played football. I never coached football. I just uh, really good armchair quarterback. Well, uh, my brother and I who watch it, uh, he lives out in San Antonio. Uh, had differing opinions of it. Uh, I, I probably would choose one similar to yours, but at the end of the day, you got to admit, uh, you know, uh, the coach did have guts to go for that call. Uh, we're shifting, of course, to politics straight away. Last night I was at a uh, at an event in uh, Queens for uh, Queens Borough President and a uh, uh, councilor running in the 26th District, uh, both of whom were Republican, which was... Uh, kind of a, a rare species now in uh, New York City, uh, but they still exist. And uh, it, it was it was a it was an interesting evening, uh, just you know, being around a group of veterans, and and uh, that is quite the opposite. I, I would think Gabriel's Gate compared to uh, that place is like Archie Bunker's place compared to Cheers. <laughs> um, it really, it really had had the atmosphere of Archie Munker's place, but but it, but everybody was was modernized and everything, and I think that's just how the world has changed with uh, oh, yeah. movies and, and and whatnot. I actually do know Gabriel's Gate because my son Gabriel actually worked there. Um, oh. Two years ago, he, he worked. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, he worked as a bar back in uh, in that oh. bar. Small world. It's a cool bar. I love it. It's I love anywhere I can walk. So it's about seven blocks from my house. So. Um, it yep. works out. Plus, it's just, you know, best wings in town, in my opinion. Yep, that is true. A lot of people say Anchor. A lot of uh, others would say there. Uh, he used to bring home uh, he used to bring home wings uh, from from uh, work. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, at the time, I was still dealing with a lot of paperwork and a lot of benefits issues. So, uh, you know, I am legally blind. And uh, I don't really have the opportunity to go out as much as I used to. But, but it is, a, uh, you know, Allentown is, is, is a beautiful place, and of course there's nothing better to talk about J Josh Allen slipping than someone who had just been in Allentown. Um, Indeed. When we go to, of course, the obvious game that you're playing is not a game at all. It is for the future of Buffalo. Uh, a lot of people have different views on that, but uh, that is, you know, that they're right to have ideo ideological differences. What do you feel is, is at stake here for you and for Buffalo? I mean, for me, it's not 
you know, a ton at stake. I love Buffalo. If, um, you know, depending on how this election goes, I frankly have options. I, I don't have to stay here. My wife has transferable skills. She's a doctor. We can go anywhere. Um, we have a, she has a separate job down in Florida. She moonlights and goes down there. So, you know, if socialism comes to Buffalo, I, it's easy for me. I can pack up and go. We can go to Florida. We have a cabin in Idaho. We can escape to Idaho. So, uh, for me personally, not, not a ton at stake. Um, but what, it would break my heart is to leave Buffalo. I moved around a ton as a kid. I've been in Buffalo for 18 years now. Before that, I'd never lived in a city more than a couple of years. So, you know, Buffalo is my adopted home. I don't want to go anywhere. But if I have to, like I said, I've got, you know, means and opportunity. I can pack up and go if socialism comes to Buffalo. But most people don't have that option. Most people have extended family here. They have friends here. They have lives here that, that can't just be easily detangled. So, they'd be stuck here to deal with the fallout of socialism in Buffalo. The alternative to, to socialism coming to Buffalo is just four more years of Byron Brown. That I could suck up. I know what four more years of Byron Brown looks like because I've been dealing with 16 years of Byron Brown. It's, you know, it's the status quo. It's nothing too edgy. You know, he's not a big dreamer. He doesn't take big risks. He doesn't have any big signature projects that you could say, oh, look, Byron Brown did that. Byron Brown did this. Um, it's just going to be a... Hello? Hello? But the problem with the Byron Brown administration is that the city works really, really well for a handful of people under Byron Brown. And for the rest of us, it's just kind of ho-hum. And so what I'd like to bring to the table is bring some transparency to City Hall to make the city work for everyone again make sure no one's getting any special favors, make sure no one's cutting the line at City Hall. So, you know, like I said, it's for me personally, not a ton at stake. I, I can leave if I have to. I don't want to. I want to stay here and fight for Buffalo. So that's kind of how I see the race currently. With the, the, the changes that are being thought of by uh, India Walton, if she does, uh, you know, win, and the smart money is strangely not on her, uh, it's on writing candidates like yourself. Uh, of course, the, the front runner being uh, Mayor Brown a little bit. Uh, according to his polls that he's releasing, according to her polls that she's releasing, she's in the lead. Uh, what, what is your opinion? Do you, do you have a, a fighting chance? It really is going to depend on these last two weeks. If, if the media continues to frame the election the way they're framing it, the local media, that is, um, I would say I probably don't have much of a chance. If, you know, right now there, there's, there's four um, people in the race. There's, you know, Andy Walton, there's Byron Brown, and then there's two other major writing candidates, myself and Jazz Miles. We were at the debate. We've been doing events. Um, I've had some interaction with local media. I think the reason you um, found out who I was is you saw my interview on WBBZ. But so far, that's the only local TV station that's interviewed me. Um, you know, and after the the debate on September 9th, I think I had a bit of momentum. I had a bit of a buzz. I was getting a lot of people reaching out to me. You know, people recognized me on the street, but no one from the local media reached out to me to say, hey, what's going on with your campaign? So if I can't get the local media to engage in my campaign to cover the events that I do, and I've done plenty, given lots of speeches, lots of events, um, released lots of policy proposals. I've got a, um, I think to this day, Byron Brown still doesn't have any policy proposals on his website. I've had a website up for, I think, since mid-August, maybe. I mean, I announced in late July, and I think by mid-August, I had a website up with policy proposals. 
you know, but no one's really engaging. I get, a lot of people are engaging. I, I've, um, you know, I've got a pretty strong social media presence. And when I go out on in the streets of Buffalo, if I'm in a bar in a restaurant, it, it's, you know, more often than not, someone's going to come up to me and say, hey, I saw your post or, hey, I saw your debate performance. You, you did great. You know, I'm on your side. I'm going to vote for you. Um, but the problem, you know, I can't can't do it on my own. I, um, I, I can't spread the word to 300,000 people on my own. I don't have campaign infrastructure. I don't have a uh, campaign manager. I don't have staff. I've been pretty much doing it, you know, on my own with the help of my wife and a few friends. So it's not impossible. It's not impossible by any stretch. Um, there's going to be one more debate. It's next week. It's October 27th. And so far, I think only myself and the mayor have committed to debating. So you know, that debate would be about six days before the election. If, you know, if that debate draws a lot of attention and the people who have been sitting on the sidelines start coming over to my side, then I think it's very winnable. So it's, it's just going to depend on the last couple of weeks. But I will tell you anecdotally, and, I, you know, if you watch my interview, you've kind of heard me give this answer already, but there's a lot of signs for India Walton around town. There's a lot of signs for Byron Brown, but there are an awful lot of empty lawns. A lot of people I talk to are just saying, nope, I'm not voting. I'm, I'm fed up. This is, you know, these are the only two choices we got. When they find out they have another choice, then, you know, it's easy for me to bring them over to my side. But, but it's kind of been a vacuum in town. It's only India Walton and it's only Byron Brown. So that's my chore. If in the next two weeks I can convince enough people that there's a third option, I think there's a legitimate chance. But frankly, if the media continues to frame it as just a race between India Walton and Byron Brown, my chances are probably not that excellent, and I have to be honest about that. You know, I, I lived uh, for a number of years with my uh, son and uh, sons and uh, wife over in uh, uh, an area uh, that that's a little bit fashionable for Buffalo. Uh, it, it's kind of like uh, they, they used to call it the, the center village or whatever. We lived in Elmwood, and uh, we were actually right behind a store that says everything Elmwood. Uh, we lived in that general area. And it, 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 it pretty much uh, was, was where practically everybody in Buffalo at some point would walk by. And this was something unique about Buffalo. Uh, you would see some of the, uh, you know, some of the uh, uh, wealthier citizens and, and some of those who had absolutely nothing. You know, just, just come in and, and, you know, go buy the spot coffee. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, those who had more would, uh, you know, buy coffee for those who had none. Uh, and that, that was something that, that hit me about Buffalo, you know, the, that good neighbor uh, helpfulness of people. How would that change when that helpfulness is, say, forced upon them, you know, with, with high taxes and, and, and all that? I mean, most of the businesses I remember even before COVID were barely making it uh, in, in many parts of Buffalo or had just come back from, you know, a, a, a disastrous number of years. If you throw in a ton of regulation and a ton of new taxes, what could that do to a city as fragile or with an economy as fragile as Buffalo's? Yeah, I mean, you're getting right to the point. It's just going to create unnecessary resentment. You don't have to force people in Buffalo to be kind to their neighbors. Like you said, I mean, we call the city of good neighbors for a reason. It's not just a slogan. It's not just a gimmick. It's legitimate. You see people out helping each other shovel sidewalks. When people get stuck in snow, you see five or six people out helping them, you know, get unstuck. It, it, we're just a generous, kind place here. There's, you know, the, the rich people in town give away tons of money. There's lots of philanthropic organizations here. What people resent is being forced to give up more of their money. They, they, people here are very, very generous, but the forcing is what's going to create a problem. I, I just got a questionnaire from 
some local uh, advocacy group, they, they advocate for more mobility, more people walking, more bike paths, that kind of stuff, which I'm all about. I walk to work every day. I, I ride my bike everywhere. Um, I, my wife and I share a car. I don't drive that much. So I'm, as much as I can promote mobility and people walking and riding bikes, that's great. But, you know, one of their questions was, should, you know, rich people pay, the, you know, if, if a poor person gets a, a fine for parking tickets, and that's kind of something Indy Walton is dealing with right now, should they pay less than the rich people? And, or, and should we let poor people ride the metro for free and charge rich people more money to try to ride the metro? Would that incentivize more riding of the metro? And I'm like, no, what that's going to do is just create more division, more hate. It, it's not going to be the solution. I think I would love to, if we could get to a point in the budget where we could let everyone ride the metro for free, then that would be fantastic. But, you know, having this graduated system where, you know, some people are paying a lot more and some people are paying nothing. I think it's just going to create resentment. So, you know, if you don't want to pay a parking ticket, don't park your car illegally is my policy. Um, you know, India Walton got in a position where she had six unpaid parking tickets. Then she had a seventh parking violation. She didn't have her car inspected and she got impounded and she wants to blame everyone under the sun except herself. I get it. If you don't have money to pay a parking ticket, don't park your car illegally once, twice, three times, four times, five times, six times. It's just common sense. So, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of rambling a little bit. That's that's my thought on on forcing people to be generous, whereas we could just trust people to be generous. You know, with uh, with uh, Buffalo, you were mentioning, of course, you know, the bus system is, is not exactly the best in the world. You know, having moved to New York City from Buffalo, uh, it was uh, it was it was an enlightenment to see a, a you know a transportation system that actually even at the height of COVID uh, did did function, you know, um, and and uh, it, it is uh, a bit noisy. It little, takes a little getting used to having buses twenty four seven, but uh, the the advantage that I noticed about it, of course, was was uh, their system cost a lot more. Uh, it, you know, it, it is a bus system that, that uh, they don't even take cash anymore on any of their, uh, uh, practically any of the buses, uh, you know, don't take anything uh, as, as far as cash goes. It's, it's all, uh, it's all Metro cards. And I don't think uh, we're, we're going to be at that point in Buffalo for, for some time yet where, where you could, you know, totally go cashless uh, with the, uh, with the buses and the, um, um, and the, uh, uh, you know, low and subway system. Uh, but, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, what kind of investments would you see in things like public transportation, in uh, in other areas of public services that that are needed? Uh, you did mention, of course, uh, you know, more, you know, the the group that sent you that flyer about more bike lanes and that type of thing. Um, I had sons who, who had to walk to school every day because, you know, I, I can't drive. I'm blind. Uh, even at, even at the height of winter, and 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 one of the one of the weirdest things we. Uh, we, we had to deal with, uh, they, they went to, um, uh, uh, what is it, Grover Cleveland, uh, which, which they called uh, IPREP at the time. I don't know if it's still open. But um, they would uh, uh, have to walk to school because uh, they lived exactly at the edge of 1.5 miles uh, where, where they didn't get a bus pass. So, uh, you know, uh, when you're basically struggling and just starting out, uh, that seventy-five, eighty dollars a month uh, for for you know uh, students' bus passes, if your kids just happen to be at that age group where they don't get the discounted fare, is a little steep. Uh, so, what can be done to uh, to you know improve Buffalo's transportation system, especially for students? 
because I think that 1.5 rule in, you know, when it snows pretty heavily, that can be a bit of a pain for, for some kids, especially in their hands and fingers. Yeah, I know. I mean, with kids, I completely agree. I don't think I, I would like to encourage kids to walk more, especially when the weather's nice. But when it's not, when it's negative 20 and the wind's howling, I don't expect kids to walk in that um, weather. So I, I think anyone under 18, and if you're going to school, you should have a free metro. And frankly, we should give everyone under the age of 18 an unlimited free metro. And, and the reason I would advocate for that is because it would change their habits. Right now, people just aren't in the habit of using mass transit in Buffalo. Anyone who has a car would prefer to be in their car. They don't want to use mass transit. They associate it with something that only poor people do. It's not desirable. They don't want to do it. If you look at our buses around town, they're very rarely full. Um, and i be perfectly honest, I'm not on buses that much. I'm just seeing them from the road. I'm not inside of them. But I don't see packed buses in Buffalo. So I think we need to change the culture. And if you can start kids with better habits at a younger age, if you can encourage kids at a younger age to plant a garden and, and explain to them the benefit of that, if you can encourage them at a younger age to recycle, if you can encourage them at a younger age to use mass transit, you're just you're changing habits. But trying to change a 45-year-old's habit who's used to driving their car every day, that's almost impossible. So you got to start young. So I think if, the, if there's one little thing we could do, one change, it would be giving free ridership to anyone under the age of 18 with the hope of changing habits. I think another thing we have to do, and it's a long-term project, but it's idiotic that we have a metro line that only goes six miles in one direction. I think at a minimum, we need a, a metro that would connect downtown to the airport. Um, and I'd like to kind of see it go along the route of Central Terminal. So it kind of connect the east side to downtown and then connect out to the airport. But again, at that point, you'd, then you'd have two metro lines, one going north-south and one kind of going east-west. We, we need more. So the problem is Buffalo is a city built for a million people. We're very spread out. And we only have 300,000 people. So I think until we grow our population more and uh, honestly in a significant way there's probably not going to be a whole lot of money in the budget to really tackle those kind of infrastructure projects as far as more transportation is concerned you know a lot of companies now are, are looking at cities like buffalo to relocate their staff to because they feel that having huge uh you know uh complexes compounds uh campuses for uh, you know their, their their corporate structure is just not the way anymore. They saw with uh, what happened with the uh, pandemic that uh, people do like to work from home, and uh, Buffalo is a beautiful city. It, it has a lot of homes, and uh, you know living in uh, living in Queens, uh, you know for 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 the rent cost of uh, a little bedroom or a studio that that me and my son share. Uh, would be a very, very nice house in Buffalo. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the way New York City is structured. But, but a lot of companies are doing that. How could we encourage people to look to Buffalo for that and uh, maybe bring up you know, the population and the tax base and encourage it? I think Buffalo is one of the few cities where the tax base is actually, uh, or actually population is actually growing uh, in, in, in western New York. Uh, and uh, that is something that uh, people are talking about, the fact that people are moving in. And uh, it's not just refugees, but, but people, you know, some of them are Buffalonians coming back, and some of them are uh, people just looking at Buffalo, looking at the cost of a family home and deciding, hey, you know what, this looks good. Yeah, I think it's, it's just going to take more outreach and, and frankly, a, a huge advertising campaign to just 
to let people know. I think we've already got enough tax incentives. I, I'm not a big proponent of, of incentivizing people more with tax incentives. I think we just have to sell ourselves. As a city that has a great quality of life, as you mentioned, it's still very affordable to live here. I mean, in the last few years, you have seen home values go up to the point where people in Buffalo who've lived here their whole lives think, oh my gosh, it's out of control. It's so expensive. And I'm like, just go anywhere else in the country. We still, you know, I live on the west side. You can still buy a nice house on the west side. That, I mean, it'll, frankly, it'll require some work. You're going to have to fix it up. But you can still find a good house with good bones on the west side for, you know, $150,000 or maybe even less. If you're willing to go to the east side, you could spend a heck of a lot less money than that. So there are still really good deals to be had. There's excellent quality of life here. But I think before we can really make that push to get people to move here, we're going to have to fix a few things. And one of those things we're going to have to fix is our schools because people, you know, they come to Buffalo and they look at everything and say, oh, this looks fantastic. But my gosh, the schools are not working here. You spend so much money on your schools. The graduation rate is abysmal. You know, if you're lucky enough to get your kid in one of the Homestead schools, you're probably all right. If you're really, really lucky and you get your kid in the city honors, then you're fantastic. But for everybody else, it's just it's the schools we got to fix. Um, you know, if you're willing to spend money, we've got awesome private schools here, but, you know, they're expensive. They're not cheap. So, uh, you know, I think half of it is outreach, you know, a, a really good campaign to try to attract more residents and more businesses coming to Buffalo, but we got to fix the, the things that are fixable before we can really make that pitch. I have noticed uh, one thing with the schools, having been, you know, a parent of, uh, of, of two students who, uh, um, you know, uh, what is this, uh, uh, managed to uh, get on the, uh, uh, you know, uh, National Honor Society uh Thing pretty much by themselves. I mean, we didn't force our kids to study. They just studied because, hey, it's cold outside. <laughs> Nothing else to do. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to study. Uh, and, 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 you know, for, for kids suddenly coming from a place where, where we came from in the Philippines and moving to Buffalo, it was like, uh, you know, we're, we're all staying in, 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 indoors this uh, fall and winter, uh, which is which is a bit of a shock. And that is something that people have to get used to when, when you when you move to Buffalo. But, but I, now I actually miss a cold uh, and a snow. Uh, in fact, uh, when, when it was snowing pretty heavily here, uh, I, I noticed even at a, at, a, at, a, at a light dusting, they canceled the schools. It, it's like, what? That's nothing. <laughs> you know? But, but uh, yeah. uh, that, that is something that, you know, how, how, how do you improve the schools? How do you get more parents to participate? And then also, uh, you know, how do you incentivize this perhaps to, uh, to get more businesses to, to support uh, the schools in, uh, in, in different ways? Well, I mean, it, it, right now, honestly, uh, the mayor has zero control over the, the school system in Buffalo, and I think that's where you got to start. Uh, right now, the school board has exclusive control over the school system in Buffalo. The mayor does not have any control, not one tiny little bit. In 2015, the state reached out to our mayor and said, hey, your school system's not working. If we gave control over the school system to the mayor instead of the school board, would you take that power? Would you undertake that task? And the mayor said, well, you know, I don't really want it, but if I had to, I would. And, I, and that's just, and so obviously the state said, well, this guy doesn't want it. We're just going to leave it with the school board. So, you know, until I got in there and until I, I actually got control of the school system or it got a portion of the control, maybe shared control with the school board, um, there's not a whole lot I could do other than just, you know, advocate. But one of the things, you know, it's a small little thing, but one of the things I put on my website and I really believe in it 
is working with local restaurants, local chefs, to try to create a new school food program, you know, try to start people off in the morning with a nutritious breakfast, give them a nutritious lunch. That's, that's the little things we could do. It's, it's not going to be a panacea. It's not going to help everything. But, you know, it's a way to get the community involved in the school system, a way to do it, hopefully, without using taxpayer dollars. Hopefully, we could, you know, rely on donations and people donating their time. So it's a little thing, but it's something that would focus the community's attention on a problem that we can fix and get everyone involved and just encourage people. So no magic wand. I, money's not the, the solution. I think we're already paying something like $25,000 per year per student in Buffalo Public Schools. So it's not, a, it's not a matter of funding. It's just a matter of changing the culture and trying to get everyone in Buffalo to realize getting our school system working better is going to be really, really good for the city. So we should all be in it together. I don't have kids. So, you know, I could very easily say, well, it's not my problem. I don't have kids. But it matters to me because a good school system, educated population is going to be better for everybody. So, you know, people who don't have kids who say, well, it's not my problem, need to realize that it is their problem and, and join in for a solution. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave you on the last topic that the mayor will have to deal with in, in, in a city like Buffalo. Uh, and, and that, of course, is crime. Uh, a lot of the police officers in Buffalo will tell you a, a majority of their violent crime is because Buffalo, being such an affordable place, attracts a lot of criminal organizations that come to Buffalo and stay in Buffalo. Um, and and uh, you know you, you have gangs from places like Detroit, Chicago, uh, you know uh, Cleveland. Uh, you have uh, groups uh, from from New York City that that uh, you know uh, do their uh, processing of their product that they plan to dump on the streets of New York up there. You have uh, Canadian groups uh, coming across the border, and then you have uh, also you know from as far away as Boston, uh, you know criminal activity moving around the city. And, and there is homegrown crime, but but you do have some major transitory crime that that moves through the city of Buffalo. Uh, in fact, if if only manufacturers could know what the criminals know on, on how you know uh, centralized Buffalo is to move things around the country, they say that it would uh, it would uh, you know boost the economy and the manufacturing structure of Buffalo tremendously. But uh, how do you deal with crime in a city where you have a lot of this transitory crime that, that passes through? Uh, Buffalo is uh, was uh, according to the. Uh, uh, Uniform crime reporting uh, statistics uh, as far as uh, 2018 or 2019, I believe, 2018-2019 uh, rather, uh, was the 10th most violent city in America with the, with the most uh, number of shootings. And that's just a, a statistical rate per population according to the Federal Bureau of Investigation on their uniform crime reporting statistics space. Uh, what would you do to lessen that kind of crime? And of course, uh, how would you do it, uh, considering there's you know a lot of negative views on police, and uh, how would you do that as far as uh, you know uh, reminding people that hey, the crime isn't always just Buffalonians. There's people coming to Buffalo to commit crime. Yeah, I mean, I, the the short and simple answer is you make sure that Indy Walton doesn't become mayor because Indy Walton's on record saying that she would defund the police. Um, it's on film. I could show the video to anyone who tells me that I'm lying. She's on film saying, we all know that our calls to defund the police are not being heard. We all know that police do not keep our streets safe. I think she said our community safe. So, I mean, go back and double check me to see if how 
how verbatim I'm getting that quote, but I think I'm getting pretty close to it. So, um, but then, you know, she secures the Democratic nomination and she says, I don't know why anyone would ever say that I want to defund the police. I never said that, which is just an out and out lie. Yeah, I think um, uh, so I'll just jump in very quickly, but, but I think she said, uh, what was it? Uh, I don't want to fire anybody. I just want to use attrition. And that's basically the same thing, you know? Uh, exactly. Well, see, yeah, that, now her thing is I want to eliminate um, $7.5 million from the police budget, which would eliminate 100 positions. But like you said, she doesn't want to just fire 100 people. She wants to wait until 100 people quit out of frustration and then not replace them, which is, you know, the same exact end result, which is a hundred less cops on the street. As so, a lawyer, you know, doesn't, that, doesn't that also uh, create some problems as a lawyer? I mean, here you have somebody saying that they're going to basically torture the workplace. Uh, I mean, right there, you've got you've got a problem, uh, I think. Yeah, you've got a huge problem. So, and, and it just demoralizes the police. It, they do a job that is so incredibly difficult. It's a thankless task. And if you can't muster the integrity to say thanks, then my position is keep your mouth shut. And we all know that sometimes cops cross the line, and I'm the first one to say when a cop crosses the line, charge them. If they commit, they're not above the law. If they commit a crime, you have to charge them like anyone else. Um, so we need transparency. I'm not saying when a cop crosses the line to just turn a blind eye, but maligning an entire police force because of the actions of a few is is disrespectful and highly irresponsible. But the other thing I would say about crime, addressing crime, number one, we have to continue to support police. We have to continue to support their funding. But the other thing is, and Buffalo was honestly kind of trending in the right direction. Um, and I've said, I've thrown out these statistics a bunch of times, but I'll throw them out again. If you look at 2019, we had our lowest level of shootings since 2011. So we were doing pretty good. And then in 2020, our shooting spiked 90% from 2020 compared to 2019. What happened in 2020? The Democrats locked down our city. They did it for over a year. They locked down our schools for over a year. And when you don't have kids in school and when you don't have adults going to work, you have people wandering the streets, hence our crime spiked dramatically. And so another thing I can do as mayor is to promise people that when I'm mayor, we're never closing down again. I mean, we're this coronavirus is going to be with us forever now. It's endemic. We're going to have, you know, in the South in the summer, they're going to have a spike in cases because everyone's inside using AC. It's seasonal. When people are indoors, it's going to transmit more. In the North, we're going to see a higher spike in cases in the fall when people start going indoors because it's cold. So as we approach the fall, you know, Kathy Hochul, I guarantee you, is just itching to bring back mask mandates. She's itching to bring down lockdowns. We've got a county executive here in Erie County, Mark Olencars, who is a tyrant. He can't wait to lock us down again. He can't wait to close our schools again. He can't wait to mask us up again. So my promise as mayor of Buffalo is that it's just not going to happen in Buffalo. They're not closing down our schools. They're not closing down our churches. They're not closing down our small businesses. And that's going to ensure that we at least don't see a huge spike in crime again. Uh, it's not going to be a panacea. It's not going to solve the crime problem, but it's going to at least keep it at bay. So I, to me, those are the two things. Ensure funding for the police, respect them, encourage them in the very difficult job that they do, and make sure that their job is never compounded with idiotic decisions by politicians. It makes their job so much more difficult when kids aren't in school and when parents aren't at work. So I, we just have to support our police. You know, lastly, Ben, while uh, I let you go here, I know we've, we, we, we talked about maybe a 15-minute interview. We got about 30 minutes already. 
and and I know you have probably you know uh, work and other things to do today. But but I'd like to give you the floor, just give you a chance to talk about your platform, and uh, you know not an elevator pitch. Uh, let's call it a uh, a coffee over coffee pitch, and uh, you know here you go. Take 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 as much time as you like and and just talk. I think my pitch for voters is, I've said it 100 times, I'm going to say it 101 times. Right now, the media tells you that you have two choices for mayor. You have to choose a socialist, a self-proclaimed socialist who hasn't really accomplished much as far as what, you know, the, the past she wants to take Buffalo on. She's got a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas that have never worked before, and she seems to think that if we implement them in Buffalo, we're going to be the one place in the world where these ideas have failed everywhere else, but they're going to work in Buffalo. They won't. Uh, and then the media tells you your only other choice is the dude who's already been there for 16 years. And I want to tell people there's a third option. There's a rational option. I was a Democrat for 22 years, but I left the party, and I haven't joined any other party. And I think that's just very attractive to a lot of people. People are sick of the labels. They're sick of party politics. They want fresh ideas. They don't care if the ideas come from a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or a Libertarian. They're ready to support good people, not political parties that are ready to support good ideas, not ideas that only came from their preferred party. So what I can bring to the table is, is a fresh start. I was a workers' compensation defense attorney for 13 years. My job in that field was to root out fraud and corruption. I was extremely successful in that endeavor. I, over the years, saved my clients tens of millions of dollars. So, you know, I can, someone who can go in there Take a look at the budget, find the waste, find the fraud, get rid of it. I'm very good with people. I think, you know, I've said that before, you know, a mayor's not going to do everything by his or herself. A mayor's going to have to go in there and work with other people. I've demonstrated my ability to work with anyone who wants to work with me. I'm more than happy to reach across the aisle and work with anybody. I don't care if they're Republican. I don't care if they're Democrat. So I'm going to get in there and I'm going to really, really work hard from day one, getting to know everyone in City Hall and making sure that they know that I'm not, you know, someone who's going to come in and, and try to change everything. I'm just going to come in and work with everybody, bring out the best in everybody, and uh, try to take Buffalo to the next level. All right, Ben, thank you very much. Uh, you know, that, of course, is Ben Carlisle. He is an independent choice for Buffalo. Uh, of course, there is uh, another candidate who I just learned about, thanks to Ben, which is kind of rare for a candidate to actually tell me there's another choice still. But, uh, you know, Ben is, is probably the, uh, the uh, most uh, well-known choice uh, among the, uh, the uh, non-partisan uh, candidates running. And we want to thank you again, Ben, for joining us on uh, Mike of New York. Uh Hi, I'm Ben Carlisle, and I'm running for mayor of Buffalo. My wife and I have been able to live out the American dream right here in Buffalo. I'm running for mayor to make sure that the American dream remains tangible here in Buffalo for anyone who's willing to put in the effort. For some people, the American dream is handed to them on a silver platter, but for the rest of us, it takes hard work to realize the American dream. I learned about hard work from my parents. With six brothers and sisters, we always lived paycheck to paycheck, but I never felt poor. Anytime we needed extra money, my dad would take a second job working nights and my mom always had a job. My parents provided us with the necessities, but beyond the necessities, we had to work for it. I got my first job when I was nine years old delivering newspapers. I'd get up at 5.30 every morning and put in a few hours of work before most of my classmates rolled out of bed. 
When I was 14, I got a job working on a farm picking watermelons and cantaloupes in 100 degree heat for $4.50 an hour. I put myself through college working 40 plus hours a week, and I took out massive student loans for college and law school that I'm still working to pay off. Nothing was ever handed to me, but I have found that if you work hard, the sky's the limit in Buffalo. My wife Azima is living proof of this promise. Azima grew up in India. She and her family immigrated to the United States in 2002. They left India thinking that they had permanently left behind government corruption and socialism. In India, the smallest cooperation from the government requires a bribe, and because of socialism, Big Brother has invaded nearly every segment of India. Deadly violence erupted in Azima's home state, her senior year of high school between Hindus and Muslims. A strict curfew was imposed that closed nearly everything. Azima and her classmates had to finish their final examinations under police supervision. Azima and her family were able to escape the violence and made it to the U.S. just before Azima's 18th birthday. When she and her family arrived, they had nothing. They had to live with family for the first year in order to get their feet on the ground. Azima didn't waste one second of that first year. When she got to Buffalo, she immediately got a job and enrolled in community college. She then put herself through college and med school, and now she's a fellowship-trained ER doctor. According to India Walton, the socialist who wants to be our mayor, it is impossible for a poor, brown, Muslim immigrant to get ahead in Buffalo without massive governmental intervention. But that is a lie. What it takes is a dream and hard work. Azima and her family love Buffalo. They find it to be a very welcoming place where anything is possible through hard work. I couldn't agree with them more. Buffalo is a special place and it's worth fighting for. If you believe the American dream is still worth fighting for, come fight this fight with me. I'm not running as a Republican or a Democrat, just a concerned but hopeful Buffalonian. Better days are here. I'm Ben Carlisle, write-in candidate for mayor of Buffalo.